Michelle and Jackie, thank you for blessing us this morning with the music. It was excellent. Choir, I see you out there. You're in a strange spot for me. And I might naturally turn around and talk to the chairs a few times, but um, it's okay. And to my brothers and sisters that I hear out there that are joining me in the allergy season, welcome. And we're so glad you're here. Let's get through this together. Yes? Okay. (laughs) Good to be with you, friends. Let's pray. God, we would ask that we connect to you, that we hear from you, that through your work through this message, you would guide us and mold us and continue to shape us to be the disciple that you have created us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I had a special guest at the 9.30 service this morning. My parents were here, and I think they may have come once, but they hadn't heard me preach here yet, so, uh, so they sat over here, uh, Dorwin, where you are, um, and my, my nephew and my niece were here. They all had a hotel night last night with Grandma and Grandpa, so they got to go swimming and eat pizza, and, and they said they went to bed at 9. We'll see later today if that was true, uh, true or not. Um, but today we're talking about when you are missing your children, and when sometimes our children go missing, and since my parents were here, I thought instead of telling one of my stories about my parenting, when I was at fault for losing a child, I would share one of their stories about when they were at fault for losing one of their children, so I thought that was fair uh, since they were here today. I'm talking about uh, missing children sometimes. Um, My family would go on vacations in the summer. We were a vacationing, camping family. And so we did the, the normal progression of having a tent and then a pop-up and then a little bit bigger RV. We did all of that. Uh, we would go to Yellowstone. We, would go to, we went to Maine and back for like two weeks one year. Uh, we would go to Big Bend National Park. And one summer, we headed west out to the, to the Grand Canyon. And, and we spent a week there. We did the, the hiking where you go all the way down and all the way up. It was really exciting. And it was time to head home. So we're heading back towards Texas. And we did a stop at the, uh, at the uh, goodness, it's not hitting me, is it? Petrified Forest National Park. Thank you, Glenda. Goodness. Petrified Forest National Park. We did a stop off there. And, you know, sometimes when you're traveling, you, you can spend a, a little while. You spend a couple days somewhere. And then there's those stops where you're just like, we're just going to stop so we can say we've done it. And so we did one of those. We, we found a parking lot. We got out. We saw the, uh, the petrified wood. We, we said, this is great. Okay, let's go. And so we got back in the vehicles, and we headed, we headed out east uh, towards New Mexico. And uh, after what was probably only about 10 minutes or 15 minutes, my dad says on the CB radio, he says, hey, um, have you got Brian? He's my, he's my younger brother, a twin of Amy, two and a half years younger than I am. And uh, they're asking our, our traveling companion, you know those friends that come camping with you? We had those friends, the Wartmans, and the Wartmans were behind us. So, uh, Mike, have you got Brian? And Mike says, no, I don't. I thought he was with you. And then I heard my dad say some things I can't say in church. <laughs> and he said, he said something like, don't be fooling with me. Um, I'm looking for Brian. And I noticed that something was changing in my dad. The anxiety level was skyrocketing and, and somebody was missing. And so as soon as we could, we turned the vehicles around and we drove back. Again, it was probably just 10 minutes, but as the story has grown, it's like we were, we were almost to the Texas border. You know, we were eight hours away and... 
So we came back, and, uh, but we got back to this, this parking lot with a restroom in the area where we were, and we didn't find him. Uh, Brian wasn't there. So we get out. Anxiety is going even higher uh, because we can't find uh, Brian. He's probably about 11 years old at the time. And guess who comes out of the RV that we're pulling behind us? Uh, my brother, Brian, who had gone back to use the restroom in the RV, and it just took off. And he thought, well, this is going to be a ride. So he comes out. He's not mad. He's got a big smile on his face. And he says, that was fun. Let's do that again. And we're like, oh, my goodness. So we, we learned our lesson there. Uh, we learned our lesson there. Um, all of us have those stories where our, our kids have gone missing for just a few minutes. And we know what it does to our soul and to our heart. And uh, that's, that's, in a sense, what we're talking about today. I want to look today at searching and the anxieties and the emotions that we have when we're searching for something. And then I want to talk about how this place is holy ground for people who are searching. So we look at this story at the end of Luke 2. And uh, Luke 2 has been wonderful to us. We've had shepherds, we've had Anna, we've had Simeon, uh, we've had Quirinius was governor, we've had all the things that we read on, on Christmas Eve. And then Luke gives us a story about Jesus as a boy. And it's the only story we have in the Bible about Jesus as a boy. And he was around 12. This is right around the time when a, a young Jewish boy would become a man. And so uh, this is a very important time in his life. And his family, it says, they made the annual trip to Jerusalem for the Passover festival, about a seven or eight day festival um, where they would um, do sacrifices and different things. You know, we, we, we believe they would travel in a group. So because of safety, you wouldn't just travel, you know, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus get in the minivan and drive down there. Um, it would be, you know, a, a large group of people. And so you may not see the other people in your party for a while. So when it's time to go home, they're heading home. And, and Mary and Joseph probably set up camp for the night on this three or four day journey back home. And I imagine the time came, just like my dad did on the CB, where he said, hey, uh, you know where Jesus is? Uh, no, I thought he was with you. Well, we thought he was with a family up there. Well, where's Jesus? We've missed the Son of God. Oh, my. And so they run back to Jerusalem. And, and the, the days and times, we're not exactly sure. But, but Luke says that for three days, Jesus was missing. And, and Mary and Joseph are searching and looking. And wouldn't you know that they found him in the temple. And they found him in the temple among the lawyers and the scholars and the thinkers, they were asking questions and, and telling each other things. And we have Mary have this very merry statement in the Bible. It says, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And I have a feeling, and I learned this from my dad that day, that that's probably not exactly how she said it when she finally caught up to her son that's been gone for three days. But we'll give Luke the benefit of the doubt here, and, uh, and we know. Um, this story also helps us answer a question about kind of the, the life of Jesus and, and the duality between being a son of, of God and also a fully human and, and fully divine. We wonder sometimes, what did Jesus know when he was young and when he was growing up? And this story, along with some other writings that we can find from that time, uh, share with us that the tradition was that Jesus did know uh, who he was. He knew he was the Son of God. 
He may not know completely. He may only know kind of vaguely and partially. Uh, but we know that he knew that he was set apart. He knew he was different. And so today, I want us to look at uh, two of these characters and ask some questions that some of us may have. Uh, the first is, I want to look at Mary. I want us to think about the anxiety that Mary had when she was searching and when she was looking. Um, how we know how that feels when we're missing something in our life. I'm, I'm being honest when I say, when I miss my wallet, everything stops in my life. I, I can't do anything. I've got I've to drive home. I've got to find it. I just, I'm, just, I'm worthless without knowing where my things are. I guess I'm a control person. I don't know. But Mary uh, has this anxiety. And I want you to note how Jesus reacts when, when she finally finds him. Because you would imagine a 12-year-old having been left in Jerusalem for three days um, would be a little anxious, a little upset, a little mad. Uh, but that's not what we find in Jesus. Jesus says, why were you even looking for me? Why were you even looking for me? You knew where, I was, where I'd be. I was going to be here. I was right here all along. I was right here all along. What I'm thinking about today is those of us that are searching and those of us that have doubts and those of us that have questions and those of us that have maybe wandered off in our life somewhere else and we've realized we've left Jesus behind. Because I, I hear and I know that a lot of us have anxieties and guilt and pain that we carry around. We're anxious when we're not doing what Jesus wants us to do. But in this story... We find Mary coming to Jesus after three days, and Jesus doesn't scold her, doesn't yell, just says, why are we even searching? You knew I was here all along. And so I think all of us at different times are in places where we're dissatisfied with ourselves, we're upset at ourselves. You know, I sit and hear from you, and you've got questions, and you're wondering if you're doing the right things. Are you doing the right things for your family? Um, some of us have uh, sons and daughters that, are, that are, are struggling, that are off, that have questions. And, and we wonder what God's response to that might be. I believe in this story, and I believe in other places, we learn that God is full of grace and love. And just like that, that father in the prodigal son story that runs out to meet his son after being gone and embraces him, I think God does the same for us. And so maybe there's a word in here for you today, for us today, about that time of questioning, the time of doubt, the time when we don't feel like we're connected as we should be. And I'm looking at Matthew 6 today. And in Matthew 6, we have this, this, worry, this scripture about worry. And, and we usually bring this scripture out when we're talking about cars and clothes and wealth and do we have enough in our bank accounts and those kind of things. But I wonder if this scripture might have something to tell us about that season of searching and searching for answers, and searching through our doubts and the questions that we have. Let's see what it might have to say. I'm going to read the whole thing. It's a little bit long, so y'all hang on with me, okay? Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life. What you'll eat, I haven't had that problem this last week. Anyone? I didn't. Okay. What you'll eat, or what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll wear, isn't life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into the barns. Yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they are? 
Who among you by worrying can add a single moment to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work, and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon in all his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it's thrown in the furnace, won't God do much more for you, you people of weak faith? Ouch. Therefore, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? Gentiles long for all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough worry, enough trouble of its own. So a scripture that, that typically talks to, to material possessions and things, but what would this scripture say to those of us like Mary for those three days that were anxious and wondering and worrying and eventually found a Jesus that said, why were you thinking me? And then Jesus did go home, uh, did go home with the family. So I'm thinking about Mary today. I'm also thinking about Jesus and this place that Jesus was in in his life as a 12-year-old boy and becoming a man. Uh, In the Jewish tradition, this would have been uh, later a bar mitzvah age. Um, In our current culture, we might be looking at an 18-year-old, someone that's about to get out of high school and trying to decide where they're going to go to school and what they're going to do, what job they're going to get. And so what, what does it have to say that Jesus is claiming his identity Finally, here in this story, all through Luke, uh, we've had a whole bunch of other people claiming Jesus' identity. We've had angels, and Mary, and Anna, and Simeon, and Zechariah, and some shepherds. A lot of people claiming who Jesus is, and this time here for Jesus to claim his identity and know who he is. And this has me thinking about the role of the church and the role that we have to make this the temple and a place where young students and young people can come and learn who they are and form and shape their identity because you and I know how hard that was at that age and it's even harder now. It's even harder with all the different voices and things that are trying to get them to decide who they're going to be and and what they find valuable in their life. This can be a place where they grow and they show that their identity is in a God who's higher and bigger and more valuable than anything else in their life. The way we play that out here in the United Methodist tradition is through confirmation. And so in sixth grade or so, we'll invite students to go through a class uh, where they learn about their faith and learn about membership. At the end of that, we invite them to confirm, confirm the vows that their parents took when they were baptized as infants or to take the vows for themselves for the first time. And I want to remind us because it's a promise that you and I make each and every time one of those children are baptized. Last week, we, we baptized uh, a Bo, Bo Brawley, and we said, these, uh, we said these commitments and these promises. But listen to these. It says, will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include these persons now before you in your care? 
And our answer and our response, and if you've been in here during a baptism, you have promised these things. With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround these persons with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their trust of God and be found faithful in their service to others. We will pray for them. Do you remember we've promised to do that? We will pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life. What a holy space this can become for young people as a church has a laser focus on children and on youth and their, uh, their sensitive time when they're trying to decide who they're going to be in this world. Um, I was fortunate to be raised uh, in the church. In fact, I was raised at New World United Methodist Church in Arlington, Texas. And uh, of course, my parents were here this morning and, and they took me anytime the doors were open. Anytime there was something going on, we were there. Um, and it was a place where I got to to test out um, my gifts for ministry and, and, and ask some questions about God and wonder, if is this maybe for me? Uh, what is my role with God? Parents drove me there every single time, but I had people there at that church. It was a community of people that allowed me to ask hard questions. And it was a place that allowed me to listen to others and to be heard. And something that I've been thinking about this last week was that uh, it wasn't just my peers around me. It wasn't just other youth, but it was other adults, and it was other generations that I learned from. And the value of having so many different generations in the community to share with the young people. Because young people, uh, there becomes an age, and some of us know this, where they love their parents, but they kind of turn them off a little bit, just a little bit sometimes. And they need some of those other adults in their life that can speak love to them and speak truth to them. Um, And I I thought about this this week, and I had that in so many people in the church I grew up in. Um, And one of of the couples, their name was the Schoonovers, and he was a a veterinarian in town. Uh, He passed away many years ago. His wife, Darlis, is still alive. Um, But uh, in high school, I went on a mission trip. And I got back from the mission trip, And they had written me this handwritten note, um, a thank you gram. Isn't that cool? Uh, They wrote me this thank you gram that just said, Alan, we're proud of you. Went to Heifer Project International, and and you're you're just a great role model for those around you. Um, And how long do you think it took them to write that? Probably just a couple of moments. And to put it in the mail to me, I took this as a young man, and I put it on the wall in my bedroom. And then when it came time to, to move away, I put this big photo album together of all these pictures and things, and this ended up in there because of how valuable it was to me. And I still, obviously, I still carry it around with me today. Just a quick encouragement from another member of the congregation. These were not my youth directors. This was not my Sunday school teacher. This was just somebody in the congregation that took a minute to say, I want you to know we're proud of you, and we support you in the work that you're doing. So I want to ask us, I want to ask you, what are we doing to support the children and the youth in this church? It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be the youth director. Not everybody's asked to be the youth director. I was for just a few years, and then I had to say no to that. (laughs) Um, But what is it that we're called to do? What is it that we're asked to do so that we can create this holy space where young people uh, can 
can hear, be heard from, where young people can come and speak and ask some of these questions of their lives. So I think this scripture fits for us today. Uh, I think it fits for us today as we head into a new year. Uh, right after Christmas, Christmas has been wa- kind of wild and crazy. We're, we're heading into a new place and a new year. And some of us are asking these questions about our identity. And we're certainly thinking about this church and where God is calling this church in the future. And so I want to leave us with this last line from the scripture that we read today. And we actually didn't read this, the very last line. It says, Jesus matured in wisdom and years. There were still things for Jesus to learn. And he grew in favor with God and with people. So my prayer for us today, if you're in one of those places where you're searching and, and, you're, and maybe you're doubting and you've got some questions, I, I, want, I want to believe that, that God has incredible grace and patience with you. There's not, there's not a God off somewhere that's upset that you're doubting or you have questions. God, God is there with you through your questions. And then how, how can we make this a place where we are growing and maturing others in Christ, in favor with God and with people. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the mission that you've given to this church, a mission to reach out, to raise up, to watch and to pray for and to care for. And we pray for the work that we do for our youth and for our children, for those that are young, that are going through that rite that all of us went through where you learn who you are, whose you are, and who you're going to be. And we pray for those of us that are searching, those that have questions, that we would not have an anxiety of that, but that we would look and search for the answers in our community around us, knowing, God, that you are still there and you're still with us. And that when we do find those answers, we do find our place, that you meet us there and you remind us, I've been here all along. God, we would ask this, encourage us as we move into the next year. As we move into the next year as a community of faith to continue to work together. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.